Chapter Two of Dorothy Dixon and the Mystery Plane by Dorothy Wayne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Three Red Lamps in the wooded valley of the Silver Mine, some three miles from the village of New Canaan, lies the famous artist colony which bears the name of that rippling little river. In the midst of this interesting community, the artists have built their guild-house, where exhibitions of paintings and sculpture are held, and here it is that once a year they give that delightful entertainment known as the Silver Mine Sillies, the casts of the sillies invariably comprise the pick of the local talent from the two communities dorothy had started the musical show given by the new canaan high school the previous winter she had a lovely voice and a natural talent for acting she loved amateur theatricals but that she should have been assigned a part in the sillies while yet in high school was a compliment beyond her expectations. She had worked hard at rehearsals, and under an assumed calm was wildly excited on this, the opening night of the show. She left Terry on the beach, after cautioning that young man again not to be late and ran up the shingle to the dixon's cabana which together with its gaily painted counterparts flanked the long clubhouse at the top of the beach a surprisingly few minutes later dorothy reappeared her bathing suit having been discarded for an attractive linen sports frock and jumped into her car. The distance between Tokeneke on Long Island Sound and New Canaan back in the hills of the Ridge Country is slightly under eight miles. Luckily, on her drive home, Dorothy encountered no traffic policemen. Notwithstanding summer traffic, and the narrow winding roads she pulled into the dixon garage on the ridge a mile beyond the village a bare ten minutes later another change of costume and she ran downstairs in the dining-room her father and a friend were about to sit down at the table sorry to be late daddy she apologized slipping into her chair "'Good evening, Mr. Holloway.' "'Good evening, Miss Dorothy,' returned the gentleman with a smile. "'You seem a bit blown.' "'Some rush,' she sighed. "'But I made it.' "'Youth,' remarked her father, "'is nothing if not inconsistent. "'We dine early so that Dorothy can get to the sillies "'at some unearthly hour and his daughter interrupted 
please daddy i had an awfully exciting experience this afternoon i'd have been home in plenty of time otherwise at the beach club yes daddy well suppose you tell us the story as penance he turned to his guest how about it holloway this should interest you one of the club's most prominent swimming fans mr holloway nodded genially he was older than mr dixon between fifty and sixty tall and rather thin he had the brow and jaw of a fighter and his iron-gray side-whiskers gave him a rather formidable appearance but dorothy liked him for his eyes behind his horn-rimmed spectacles beamed with friendliness the beach club eh he leaned back in his chair yes i take a dip most afternoons wonderful bracer after mornings in the city in this hot weather you ought to get down there more often well there's a pool at the country club and i'd rather play golf argued his host i haven't been in the beach club this summer but dorothy tells me that the cabana you've built is quite a palace much larger and more spiffy i think was the word than those we ordinary members rent i like to be comfortable and have some privacy when i entertain my friends down there mr holloway admitted but i'm interested in hearing dorothy's story i was there this afternoon but i didn't notice anything unusual did you see the airplane that landed in the cove why no what time was that a little after five fifteen i had already left for home i'm rarely at the club after five o'clock i like a bright sun when i'm in the water what about the plane while dorothy told of her experience with the bearded pilot the two gentlemen continued their meal in silence a nasty customer that snapped her father when she had concluded but then my dear you shouldn't allow your keenness for aviation to overexcite your curiosity let it be a lesson to you not to interfere with other people's private business you say that he wore a false beard interjected mr holloway now i wonder why the man wants to disguise himself and why he was so standoffish about his plane he's probably in training for some test or endurance flight and wants to keep his identity secret for the time being suggested mr dixon there's often a lot of hush-hush stuff about such things that is until the stunt comes off and then the secretive ones become the world's worst publicity hounds dorothy remarked that the change came to their guest's face the eyes narrowed the mouth grew harder something of his levity disappeared perhaps he said slowly but whatever his reason for wishing privacy we can't have club members insulted by strange aviators in our own cove i shall take it up at the board of governors meeting tomorrow 
in future we will see to it that no more airplanes land on club waters do you think you would recognize the man without his beard dorothy i don't think so but terry who was nearer to him swears he could spot him anywhere if he should do so ask him to report the matter to me and i'll see that the man at least offers apology thank you mr holloway dorothy was pleased at this interest i'll tell him you three had better leave well enough alone her father declared bluntly the plane is probably being flown over a set course which happens to take it over the club that aviator seems to be a surly customer my advice is to forget it dorothy pushed her chair back from the table you'll excuse me won't you she smiled i've got to run now she went to her father and kissed him please don't be late daddy i come on the first time right after the curtain rises it will spoil my evening if you two aren't there mr holloway's kindly eyes twinkled behind his glasses nice of you to include me i wouldn't miss the first number for anything i'll see that we're both there on time don't worry sweetheart her father patted her hand we've got a small matter of business to go over and then we'll be right along success to you dearest bye a fine rain was falling when dorothy stepped into her car as yet it was more a heavy mist than a downpour but with the wind in the east she realized that this part of the country was in for several days of wet weather she drove carefully for the winding wooded roads were slippery upon arriving at the guild house she changed at once into costume the silver mine sillies like mr zigfield's more elaborate follies is invariably a review consisting of eighteen or twenty separate acts as dorothy stood in the wings waiting for her cue shortly after the first curtain rose she was addressed by the stage manager have you seen terry not since this afternoon why he's not here dorothy was fighting back the stage fright that always assailed her while waiting to go on but which always disappeared as soon as she made her entrance she turned her mind to what the manager was saying with an effort you mean he hasn't shown up she asked a bit vacantly your perception is remarkable returned the harris stage official with pardonable sarcasm no terry isn't here do you know whether he had any intention of putting in an appearance at this show tonight when you last saw him dorothy was wide awake now of course he had he didn't mention some more important date perhaps of course not terry wouldn't do such a thing well he goes on in less than two minutes who in blazes am i to get to double for him deliver me from amateurs there's your cue miss dixon better take it hey you bill she heard him call out to a stagehand as she made her entrance duck in the men's dressing-room and bring me terry walter's overalls and wig 
Here's where I do his stuff without make-up. Terry failed to show up during the first part of the program, so during the intermission Dorothy slipped out front and sought the delinquent's father and mother in the audience. "'Why, my dear, I'm quite as surprised as you are,' gurgled Mrs. Walters. "'Isn't this rain disgusting? You look perfectly lovely, Dorothy. And you did splendidly, splendidly, my dear. I thought I'd die when your rope of pearls broke and you went hunting for them. A perfect scream, my dear. The funniest thing in the show.' those were betty mayo's pearls said dorothy i wasn't in that act you say terry left the house in plenty of time and he expected to drive straight down here mrs walters had said nothing of the kind but dorothy had known the lady for years and had long ago devised a method of securing information from her he didn't even wait for dessert my dear he probably went to the movies or remembered some other date boys are like that terry isn't his father spoke up he must have been going to pick someone up and given them a lift down here then blew a shoe or something still i don't like it i hope the boy hasn't met with an accident oh don't say that reggie you make me feel positively faint i know he has gone to the pictures mrs walters was nervously emphatic don't be so silly dear i know he has you know nothing of the kind declared her husband but reggie dear dorothy hurriedly excused herself and went backstage by the time the final curtain was rung down no terry had appeared dorothy was really worried betty was giving a party to a number of the cast at her house in white oak shade but despite protests dorothy made her regrets and went to look for her father i think i'll beat it for home dad she announced buttonholing him near the door i'll be along in a few minutes darling i certainly am more than extra proud of you tonight i never realized what an actress you are but you look troubled anything the matter i'm worried about terry i know he wouldn't deliberately put us all in this hole he's not that kind probably had a breakdown consoled her father excuse me dear i want to speak to the joneses over there dorothy drove a six-cylinder coupe whose body had seen better days though she claimed for its engine the world had not seen its equal with her wind-wiper working furiously she came cautiously along valley road her big headlamp staring whitely ahead the rain was pelting down now and since she must have a window open and that window was on the weather side one arm and part of the shoulder of her thin slicker were soon black and shining something he couldn't help that would make terry let us down said her subconscious mind and she wondered how any of the cast could have expressed contrary opinions 
she was glad she had refused betty's invitation she liked terry and was deeply concerned about him he wasn't the sort to default unless something unforeseen and unusual occurred mrs walters said he had been full of the show at dinner and had spoken about getting to the guildhouse early something had come up that was certain and that something after he had started for the silver mine in his car the more she thought about it the more mysterious it seemed she would phone the walters again as soon as she reached home maybe he would be back by that time the car skidded round the turn into the ridge road that ran past the dixon place a mile farther on dorothy decided it would be well for her to keep her mind on the road ahead a few minutes before a lumbering truck had almost driven her into the ditch and now with a mile to go she saw ahead of her three red lights she slowed her engine until she came within a dozen yards of them they were red lamps placed in a line across the road and if they meant anything it was that the road was under repair and closed yet she had passed the truck going at full speed just beyond the corner from its lights she was sure it had come along this stretch of road she peered through the open window and saw on her left a dilapidated stone fence the top of which was hidden under a blanket of wild honeysuckle she saw by her headlights a gap where once she knew a five-barred gate had blocked the way to the open field all this she took in at a glance for dorothy knew exactly where she was then she turned again to her scrutiny of the road and the three red lamps well said dorothy to herself she switched out all the lights of the car and taking something from her pocket she opened the door quietly and stepped into the rain she stood there for a while listening there was no sound except the swish and patter of the storm keeping to the centre of the road she advanced slowly toward the red lights picked up the middle one and examined it the lantern was old the red had been painted on the glass the second lantern was newer but of entirely different pattern here also the glass pane had been covered by some red transparent paint and this was the case with the third lamp dorothy threw the middle light into the ditch and found satisfaction in hearing the crash of glass then she came back to her car got inside slammed the door and put her foot down on the starter the motor whined but the engine did not move the car was hot and never before had it failed again she tried but without success this looks suspicious she muttered to herself she sprang out into the rain again and walked to the back to examine her gasoline tank there was no need for the indicator said empty i'll say suspicious 
she muttered again angrily as she stared down at the cause of her plight she had filled up just before dinner but notwithstanding that fact here was a trustworthy indicator pointing grimly to e and when she tapped the tank it gave forth a hollow sound in confirmation dorothy sniffed the air reeked of fumes flashing her pocket light on the ground she saw a metal cap and picked it up then she understood what had happened the roadway under her light gleamed with opalescent streaks someone had taken out the cap and emptied her tank while she was examining the red lamps she refastened the cap which was air-proof waterproof and foolproof and which could only have been turned by the aid of a spanner she had heard no chink of metal against metal she did not carry reserve fuel but home was not more than a mile down the road round the turn and she knew there was a path from the gap in the stone wall across the field and through a belt of woods that would have the distance she sent her flashlight in the direction of the open gateway one of the posts was broken and the rotten structure leaned drunkenly against a lilac bush in the shadow behind the bush she was certain that a dark form moved dorothy lingered no longer but switching off her light she turned on her heel and raced up the road End of chapter 2